Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Well, good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my next guest, I want to start by thanking you, our listeners, for your feedback to the podcast, as well as remind and encourage you to please send any of your comments, your suggestions, or any questions that you might have directly to me at ceo at reincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. And if you're inclined, I'd definitely appreciate it if you were to rate the show and comment on iTunes or Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or whatever platform you use to listen in. And as well, follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thank you again for your feedback that you provide the millionaire, the Everyday Millionaire team and I. It's appreciated and we do listen to it and use it. Okay, so let's get the show started. With the feedback I've received from listeners, today's episode is one for the Everyday Millionaire Rain member series. As many of you know, the Real Estate Investment Network is a national community of investors who are taking action in building their financial futures through investing in real estate. And if you're not already a RAIN member, you can certainly learn more about RAIN at RAINCanada.com, R-E-I-N-Canada.com. Now, as the CEO of RAIN, I have conversations with many members who feel just genuinely compelled and inspired to give back to the RAIN community by being a contribution to their fellow members and others by sharing their real estate investing experiences and what they've learned on their journey to achieving their financial goals and dreams by investing in real estate. For podcast listeners, this is an opportunity for you to learn from Well, as I like to say, seemingly ordinary people who are working towards and achieving some pretty extraordinary results. And let's face it, there's just so much to learn from others who have gone before us on different journeys and and in their learnings. So as part of the RAIN member series, my guest today is Jose Jafergi. Now, before I bring Jose on to the air, here's some of his background and uh, to give you some insights into just who Jose is and what he's about. First off, he's known in the real estate industry as being an action taker. He started out investing in real estate in his early 20s, and he's proved that passion and persistence, and along with a really strong desire to learn, has been really instrumental in him achieving his goals. So in a very, you know, I'm going to say a relatively few short years, he was able to grow his portfolio using different strategies, ranging from rent to own, multifamily, renovate to flip, and uh, certainly some single family buy and hold. 
Now, he is a sought-after expert speaker. He's a guest columnist. He loves to write. And he's also an advisor on various real estate markets and strategies. He's truly become an expert in the industry. Today, almost a decade after purchasing his very first property, he is a full-time award-winning investor. He's a real estate investment advisor. He's a coach. He's a sales representative. He's gifted in showing others the power of real estate as a vehicle for wealth and lifestyle creation. Now, he's attained a great deal of success through real estate investing, and he really, truly, sincerely gains fulfillment in helping others use real estate as a means to achieve their dreams. His inspiration comes from his goal of living a life of true freedom and having the ability to work hard chasing his dreams and fulfilling on his goals. He works hand in hand with his wife, his best friend, and also his business partner. So she's a big part of his life. And uh, on top of that, a year ago about, their world recently became extraordinarily perfect, as he likes to say, as they proudly welcomed their first baby boy, Daniel. Jose spends his days eating, sleeping, and breathing real estate, as many full-time real estate investors do, and living life on his terms. He's an avid reader, a listener to audiobooks, adventure junkie, he's a travel nut, and he's a big time foodie, when he isn't working, that is. And he believes that there are no limitations in life and the sky is truly the limit. So ladies and gentlemen, with all of that said, I think it's time to get started and let's have a nice conversation with my friend, Jose Jafergi. Well, Jose, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Great to have you. Uh, I'm here in the uh, Lower Mainland slash Fraser Valley, beautiful British Columbia, Vancouver area, and you're out Toronto way. So whereabouts are you? I live right outside uh, Toronto in a city called Mississauga. Uh, that's uh, not too far from where the uh, rain meetings are held. Oh, great. Well, once again, welcome to the show. Looking forward to having a great conversation with you today about what you've got going on and where you've come to in your life, what you've accomplished. And so I often want to start the conversation with people because I've read your bio. And uh, of course, I know you a little bit through RAIN because you're a RAIN member and certainly we've had conversations and I've seen some of your activity, your award winning. So that is kind of a cool a place to start the conversation from. And your bio doesn't really describe all of the things that you do. So elevator pitch, what the heck does Jose Jafarji do? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm always tweaking my elevator pitch. But if, you know, for now, my elevator pitch would be to help people build wealth through real estate so they can live life on their terms. And the reason I made that up uh, was because I myself, I want to show people exactly what I have been doing and, and from my experience, share my, uh, my knowledge so that they can uh, build the same lifestyle that I have built. And I've, I've you know, truly feel honored that uh, I have been able to live a life of true freedom at this point in my life. At a fairly young age. Yeah, how old well. are you, Jose? Because I think that's important to understand just what you've accomplished <laughs> at a young age. I'm uh, 35 years old. I just turned 35 a month ago. Wow, good for you, and uh, happy belated birthday. Uh, when is your birthday, by the way? I, I turned uh, older than that um, about a month ago, too. How old? Uh, when's your birthday? July? 
July July first. Oh, I'm July sixth. Okay, so we're close. We're almost like brothers and birthdays. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> <Both> okay. <cancers. laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I want to talk to you about a whole lot of things because I know you're pretty diverse in what you've done in the world of real estate. But take me back a little bit. I know that you went to university, and but even before that, tell me a little bit about growing up. And you know, as you sit here today as a realtor, as a real estate investor, that's a pretty entrepreneurial journey that you've been on. Has it always been that way? Was it something that you started out, like, did you come out of the shoot that way? How is, how's your journey been along the ways from a young kid and, and to up to attending university and eventually becoming the entrepreneur that you are today? So I'm a sibling of, uh, I'm the youngest of the sibling of three people. And, uh, so my, my family immigrated from, um, East Africa, a place called, uh, Tanzania, which is on the East coast. Uh, and, uh, my journey started, uh, in uh, you know very differently than most people would uh, as a matter of fact like my the, in tanzania the only way to actually survive and make a decent uh, living is by being an entrepreneur or being a business owner so when my parents came to canada ironically they were discouraging of me to pursue any entrepreneurial journeys uh, or uh, entrepreneurial ventures they, they, the reason, they, the main reason they came to Canada was because they wanted to, uh, for education, you know, they wanted me to uh, get better education for the whole family because there weren't many opportunities available for, for further education in Tanzania. And I mean, I came at a fairly young age. Uh, some of my, my brother and sister were, were a little bit older. Uh, I was 10 when I came here. And uh, essentially, uh, my parents instilled in me that I have to get a good education, go go to university, get a good paying job with good benefits, and you know my life will be set. But of course, I had uh, different plans, uh, and uh, things turned out to be quite different. But uh, ironically, my um, uh, I had sort of a very uh, uh, a big influence from my uncle who was living in Tanzania, and um, he was actually a doctor. Uh, however, he had a, a strong entrepreneurial spirit in him, and he grew from having a small clinic to uh, now uh, having a very large hospital. Uh, so he had a big influence on me to take the risks, you know, um, make sure that you pursue your dreams because ultimately that's going to be the most fulfilling part. And even to this day, he's uh, close to 70 years old now, still working, uh, still helping a lot of uh, people in need in Africa. And he, he and I both uh, are working on some volunteering work uh, together. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, journey for, for me to how my entrepreneurial roots started. So, Take me back, uh, you know, this being raised, especially in those formative years, uh, you know, zero to 10 kind of thing in Tanzania, and then your parents immigrating to Canada. That's always a cool story. You know, immigration into Canada is really what's building this country. And did your dad come over or your mom come over? Uh, well, did your parents bring the family over into a job that they were working or did they, are they entrepreneurial themselves? Are they business owners themselves or did they come over to work in Canada as a, in a job? So my my dad was a uh, you know import exporter for of uh, shoes, so he still had his business in Tanzania because that was the only thing he knew. 
he wasn't university educated. Um, he had no other qualifications. So for him to um, actually try to get a job here was he felt that it was uh, it was useless because he would pay him nothing, uh, and he wasn't going to be happy working a labor job. So he continued to be uh, still run his business in uh, Tanzania while we were still living here. So it, you know, at times it was a difficult childhood because you know for from from ten since we emigrated to past 20 when I was in, still in uh, university, uh, my, child, my, my dad wasn't around as much. Uh, so I was living with my mom the whole time. My dad would visit us about uh, two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, I mean, he still, we were still in good uh, contact. And I mean, uh, my dad and I have a great relationship uh, still till today. I mean, we uh, were very close friends almost. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And I can start to see, you know, you you come by your entrepreneurship really honestly, and and that's kind of cool. Is there anything in, about Tanzania as a kid growing up uh, when you were going to school in Tanzania, the lifestyle that you had? What was it like to move from there to Canada to leave your friends and knowing that you're going to a whole different country? Was it frightening for you, or was it exciting for you as a as a ten year old? Actually, it was very exciting for me. Uh... Because whenever I came here, I saw that it, we, you know, my uh, I had a lot of family here at the time, so it was a great transition. Um, you know, and for me, I was I was still young, fairly young, uh, so having friend, a new build new friends over here. I, I didn't have much memories except for uh, being very close with my my family in Tanzania. So that's what I missed the most. Uh, as far as lifestyle. It's a great lifestyle uh, over there as well, uh, much more relaxed. But there's also a lot of other things that you have to worry about, like corruption and uh, sometimes safety. Sure. So uh, I mean, I was I was excited from the uh, very beginning. We uh, when my my family actually we they decided to immigrate to Canada uh, way before, like a couple of years before we actually moved here because we were just visiting and. Uh, my parents fell in love with uh, the country, and uh, and uh, I was pushing my dad to let's move here as soon as possible. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's great. So you know, go ahead. You're you've gone to school now. You're into McMaster University. What did you uh, What did you study at McMaster? I studied engineering uh, at McMaster University, and specifically engineering physics. Uh, it was a it was a very tough program. But, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, uh, I, I was, you know, very much into electrical and mechanical devices. I was a little bit technical minded and uh, I wanted to, you know, I, essentially my whole, since I was growing up, I wanted to be an inventor. Like I, my, you know, I used to have a subscription to MIT's uh, um, magazines and just learn about new technology. So I thought, pursuing an engineering degree and more specifically engineering physics um, was, was my, was the best choice for me. So knowing as many engineers as I've known through the rain network specifically in that community, you know, that's a real intellectual hardwire, you know, that people are just built for, you know, be, you know, if you're, if you're an engineer, you're built for it. Your, your brain fires that way. So when you came out of university, was it to go into the world, uh, an engineering career? And I'm assuming that, and did you actually pursue a career in, in that regard? Yeah. Right out of school, 
I I got a I got a I got a first job uh, with a laser company, and um, I I always you know knew that uh, I had to pursue something of my own like a small business, um, because even when when I got my first job I was uh, earning forty thousand a year, and at that time I mean I still felt like I was not earning much. Um, I used to travel quite a lot, and um, I, I used to earn. Uh, you know, I felt that wasn't what I was worth. So I decided uh, to, you know, talk to my boss and, and he had promised me that, you know, based on your performance, you're going to get, uh, you know, a certain amount of raise um, every year. So I, I worked really hard at my first job and tried to prove myself. And at the end of the one year term, I went to my, my, my boss and said, uh, hey, uh, uh, I'm looking to get a raise. And, you know, in the corporate world, unfortunately, it doesn't go as uh, as planned. So I didn't get, end up getting the raise. He said, that, you know, wait another year. Uh, you still got to prove yourself. And I was, you know, so I felt a little bit betrayed by my, my first boss saying that, you know, he, he at the interview stage and I, I, he told me that I'm going to get you this raise. Um, I, I And I felt like I outperformed uh, with all my requirements in terms of going above and beyond my uh, my first job. But I, I felt I unappreciated. And that led me to leave that job. I, I, I almost quit cold turkey. Like I, I gave my two weeks notice uh, that, you know, within the one week of me following, um, having that meeting with my boss. And uh, I knew at the back of my mind that this is not for me. There's there's something else out there that's going to be uh, more suitable for me. So after that point, um, I started pursuing other ventures. Uh, you know, I I got into a lot of multi-level marketing companies. Uh, so you know, I've been an Amway rep. I've been with uh, Primerica Financial Services, um, as well as uh, some uh, Melaleuca products. Uh, and the only thing that very low capital was uh, multi-level marketing. But what I learned from multi-level marketing is probably one of the reasons uh, had a big influence on me was the mindset training. You know, being in front of uh, a positive crowd, uh, listening to speakers that are on stage that inspired me at a very young age. And uh, I, to this day, I incorporate a lot of those uh, personal development habits from that. Um, you know, I, I also, uh, for example, from um, when I was at Primerica, uh, this was a financial services company. So that taught about investments and um, primarily in mutual funds and all, as well as life insurance. So, you know, I was, I was, quote unquote, a financial advisor at a very young age. And uh, the thing about me, I, I never seemed to... Uh, be discouraged uh, that uh, I had to, you know, get a license. So for me, everything was a learning opportunity. I was trying to absorb as much as I can um, by trying out these different uh, uh, multi-level marketing companies. And you know what? A lot of times, I, I, you know, when I used to pursue my friends and stuff, uh, they used to tell me, uh, oh, this is a pyramid scheme. Why are you doing this? But you know what? I I don't regret anything. Um, I, in fact, uh, the lessons that I learned from uh, being part of those uh, 
uh, companies I, I, I still, you know, uh, learn from them today. It's interesting, so, you know, it's interesting yeah. that you bring that up because I can say that, oh gosh, I, I mean, I'm guessing, but I would say over half of the everyday millionaire guests that I interview and conversations that I have and so many others who have achieved and are on the journey to achieving some really great success have had a background in multi-level marketing and they have the mindset that you had by the sounds of it, which was, I'm going to take this opportunity to learn. And if I can grow the business, awesome. That's of course what you go into it for. They, there is a place I think with often that I see with multi-level marketing and uh, is that you get to a place where you're going, ah, this isn't working for me either. This is a, a treadmill to be on to keep driving it. Did you find that, I mean, aside from the training, is that kind of what took you off your path as well, is the the work that you had to put in to maintain your downline and grow your upline and all the other things that multi-level marketing does? What was your, what was your final, I guess, what drove your final decision to get out of the multi-level marketing in spite of all the training that you were receiving? I think uh, it was more so that I was I was young and I wasn't being taken seriously. I was getting a lot of uh, because you know with multi-level marketing it's all upon uh, your referrals and your talking to your to your friends and building that downline. So I felt that it wasn't a good fit at the time. Um, however, you know the the lessons were were extremely valuable to me. But at you know so uh, back to my story, I did end up getting a engineering job, and, and I've I've been working close to 10 years in that uh, field. So uh, I, w- I used to work for an engineering and construction company, which is kind of how I that led me to real estate a little bit more. So the engineering and construction company, you know, I, I was um, basically working on, in the field, uh, working with a lot of contractors. So uh, the company that I worked for, they developed uh, power plants and um, mining projects they were, had ongoing. So... Uh, I, you know, I felt good being on site, working with contractors, seeing the whole construction of uh, things uh, going up. It almost led me back to my days of when I wanted to be an inventor. Like I, I felt really good that piece by piece things were being built. And I was uh, one of the persons in charge of uh, the electrical portion of the of the project being introduced to renovations and uh, and real estate uh, uh, being my first project in 2007. When you consider that you're in, you know, you're being an engineer, you're in construction, get it. But what drove you to say, okay, this isn't working for me the way I want it to work either. So, you know, you've gone through the multi-level marketing thing. You had that entrepreneurial spirit growing up. You come over to Canada with your parents. You're going along, you're driving. You've got your friends that are kind of pushing back on you on the multi-level marketing as well. And then you get into the construction industry where you're, you're actually using your education in terms of the engineering that you were doing. What I see with the guests that I have and, and with the people that I've got to know, there seems to be a fork in the road that comes and we make a choice. And we go down a fork in the road that often takes us on a whole different path and a different journey than what we started. And that sounds a little bit like what you, happened with you because you went from being an engineer working in a construction industry, if I'll use that term loosely, to ultimately becoming a realtor and a real estate investor. What was the moment? Was there a moment in time that you can say, I, this is the direction I want to go? How did that start to shape up given what you were doing? 
Yeah, so when I was at Primerica, I I had a lot of investors uh, investing in mutual funds with me. And it was 2007, I would say, is the, one of the 2007, 2008, when the stock market crashed, is when I realized that uh, I had my own money invested in mutual funds and I had to find a better way, a better investment vehicle. Um, and I found that in real estate, of course. And and since then, I mean, I at the time, I didn't have any intention to leave my job. I was, I was happy with being on site and working, but also investing in real estate. Uh, so investing in real estate, uh, you know, piece by piece in uh, 2007 is when I bought my first property. And then um, I made a lot of mistakes. In fact, I, you know, I used to watch a lot of reality TV shows on uh, HGTV, Flip This House. So I tried to, my first project was a flip uh, uh, not too far from my house. And what happened was, uh, I know the I just tried to replicate whatever these guys were doing on TVs. I had no educational background in real estate investing. So since then, I uh, I over-improved on the property. You know, uh, I listened to my contractors, and, and they, of course, were trying to make money off me. And I was just naive, say, you know, and just agreeing to whatever they say. Hey, you should change the tiles here. Um but they weren't really in they weren't in rough shape to begin with so i didn't really know about numbers so a uh, long story short i ended up uh, losing about $7000 on that first project and since then i i said you know what i there's got to be a, a better way i got to get educated so i started going taking a lot of these uh, us based boot camps uh which i'm sure your a lot of your listeners can relate so you know, I I took these uh, courses and I started to implement um, uh, these strategies. And so I, I dabbled into some U.S. real estate investments, uh, and also I started buying in uh, Windsor, Ontario. So Windsor, Ontario, of course, not the greatest place to invest, uh, as I found out from uh, uh, from Rain. Uh, at the time, it was uh, very. It had a very depressed market in 2007, 2008. But I thought, you know, what I've been taught is get good deals. So that's where all the deals were. So we started buying quite heavily in in uh, Windsor, and uh, doing a lot of renovations, uh, buying a lot of power sales, foreclosures. Um, I used to buy. Uh, you know, at one point we had. Uh, Every like yeah, for the next three years straight, uh, we used to buy about uh, three or four properties every year, and some we used to sell. So we did some flips there as well as um, uh, did some reno and uh, refinance. Then that's when I got the confidence that you know what, uh, I may be able to make a career out of this. So you were doing yes. all these, re- you were doing all these renovations and buying and selling and doing all the things that you were doing. And you're doing that while having a full-time job. Absolutely. So yes. you're a busy guy. And, and, uh, absolutely, yes. And, and you know, the big uh, credit was because of my wife. Uh, even when we were not even married yet, I uh, was still dating. We used to drive down to Windsor together um, and make a weekend trip out of it. So we didn't really have any romantic trips. So we used to go to Windsor, check up on our renovations, uh, talk to our property managers there. So every week or every other week, we used to go down there 
just to make sure that things were in order. And, uh, you know, my wife has been an instrumental in my whole uh, career in as an investor and uh, as a business owner and entrepreneur. You know, time and time again, you know, when I talk to the everyday millionaire guests that I have and is we see and I hear, and I know it's my own experience, is that our significant others are a, such a, an incredibly important part of our journey. And so not surprised to hear that your wife was so supportive back then, even before you were married. But I want to go back a little bit, you know, part of the Everyday Millionaire part of this podcast is sharing the journey and the lessons that you've learned. And it's always been about kind of seemingly ordinary people achieving extraordinary results. And and that's where you are. And that's the journey that you're on. But back at that time, when you were driving out to Windsor with your then now wife, then girlfriend, did you have big dreams? Did you share vision? What was your attitude towards what you were doing? Because there was had to be scary for you at times. The numbers were, I'm sure, were getting big. You know, you talked about losing $7,000 on a deal. And in the world of real estate, that's a pretty inexpensive lesson, relatively speaking. But at that time, when you're investing in Windsor, you're kind of branching off into the U.S. a little bit. Did you have a big vision? Did you have a dream of, you know, big dreams of grandeur? What What was it for you back then, Jose? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted, you know, I was extremely hungry for financial freedom, I mean, you know, with the multi-level marketing training that I had, I, I, I had, you know, created my vision board and I had affirmations in place and uh, I had, you know, a, um, yearly goals as well as three-month goals. So I had all of that training that, um, and I, you know, I used to share that with my wife um, as often as I could that, you know, one day uh, we will achieve this status or we will be worth this much so you know i had it you know being a being in uh, an engineer i had it all planned out like i i literally had year-to-year goals in terms of uh, income goals as well as net worth goals and things actually worked out uh, i was i was uh, underperforming at some points but uh, you know that's there were there were times after three years or so investing, you know, there was some momentum that uh, really took off and and uh, things really started churning. I was buying a lot of a lot of properties and um, doing a lot of renovations, all while I was still working, which was uh, which was crazy. But um, that vision that I had instilled in me that I had to achieve uh, financial success. I had to achieve financial freedom. Um, I, I was, I was just, I was just so hungry for it that I was almost in a way obsessed that I had to achieve it. So, so then you, you, w- at what point did you decide to say, okay, you know, I'm going to take this whole real estate investing thing on full time and, uh, be a real estate investor and then a little bit about how did that transition into being a realtor or did you become a full-time real estate investor first or a realtor first that turned into full-time real estate investing or the combination of both how did that all work for you no i was always an investor first um you know i i got into uh real estate uh, uh, or became became a realtor almost kind of uh you know, when I sold one of my properties in Windsor, uh, I clearly remember my wife uh, tells me that, uh, hey, you know what, you should uh, perhaps get your license uh, so we can do our own deals. 
And at the time, and this was only about four and a half years ago. So I, I was a longtime investor first uh, before I decided to become a realtor. I'm one of those types that once I, once somebody tells me that I have to do something or I tell myself I have to do something, I go out and do it. And, and the speed of implementation, I would say, is one of the keys, key things uh, or key strengths that I have. So I go out and get my license. And uh, my first year goes by and I, I say, you know what, um, things are going pretty good. Uh, maybe this is a business opportunity for me to uh, create extra income for myself. Because essentially what happened was I was uh, already doing my own deals with, with the license I had. And there were a lot of other people that wanted the same type of help that I had expertise in. So I ended up helping them and making a some money in the process as well. So it was almost I that unintentionally I got my real estate license and became a realtor. And and now, I've, you know, uh, I love what I'm doing because it allows me to help other investors achieve the same type of uh, success that I've had and, and coach them and help them um, through leading them by example uh, so that they can also get that uh, financial freedom. You know, you joined Rain, and, you know, over the years, we know people in common. So, of course, as a realtor, you know, it's so important to have a great reputation. The people that we know in common, if your name comes up in conversation, or if I'm sending somebody and somebody saying, who should I talk to? And I send them your direction or uh, another realtor in the room. But ultimately, your reputation is of being very supportive and having a great energy. And is that really intentional on your part? Is that your nature? I'm assuming it is. But when you looked at the business model that you wanted to build as a realtor, were you working backwards from going, you know something, I need my clients to be successful. I need to be able to support them in achieving their goals in order for me to achieve my goals. Like, What was your thought process given your background with your training in MLM and building the vision of your business as a realtor? You know, I uh, fortunately, I, I had coaching from the right people, including um, my brokerage. And there's a quote by Zig Ziglar saying that if you help enough people achieve what they want, you will ultimately get what you want. It's a version of that. So I always told myself that if I'm going to do something, uh, you know, I've got to provide massive value to uh, my clients first. Uh, that's ultimately more important than, than me getting a transaction done and getting a commission check, right? For me, it's all about helping them achieve their financial goals, getting them one step closer to them, uh, their, their goals, and changing, you know, I, I feel extremely satisfied and fulfilled when I see my clients doing really well. I'll give you an example of my in-laws. My in-laws never believed in uh, in real estate investing. They never believed in investing in general. They thought everything was risky. But I uh, convinced them after so many years of me trying and my wife trying that they should invest in uh, in real estate because it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very beneficial for them. And so they started investing not too long ago, about, uh, it's been about five years. They just uh, last uh, September decided to retire because of, of their real estate. So that's almost brought tears to my eyes because, you know, 
over time, they, they kept buying properties, they kept uh, being on track. I also always try to push them to buying uh, more and more properties. So, you know, it's stories like this that kind of drives me because ultimately I want everybody that I work with um, to be successful. And that's part of the reason why I started my own uh, blog and website uh, at SavvyRealEstateInvestor.com. Uh, it's been about close to a year and a half since I started. And it's for me, the whole purpose was to educate my uh, my audience into having the right mindset for 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 building wealth. Uh, so I don't only talk about real estate, but you know always tie into real estate uh, as a as a vehicle to get you there. So for me, it's all about sharing my knowledge with my audience. And hopefully that will inspire them to take action. So I want you to think about who you were. So when you talk about mindset and when you talk about supporting your clients in investing in real estate, I want you to think about who were you when you started versus who you are today. Because what I see time and time again with and in my own coaching and with people is it as much as we can teach people what to do and how to do something. Did you find now, if you reflect, it's also about how you're being, you know, there is a conversation about, you know, how are you being and what you're doing? And that speaks to mindset and how you show up to play the game called investing in real estate or being a realtor in your own development. And I guess mindset, I'll call it mindset training, but that study of your mindset, have you seen the evolution of how much you've changed as an individual, as you know, in terms of character maybe some even some of your fundamental belief systems have changed that you've had to overcome them to get to where you are today? Oh, absolutely. You know, they say that it's it's not the the final destination, but it's the journey. And success is, that's what I kind of almost define as success, is the natural progression. As long as you're getting better every day through personal development, uh, through getting more resilient, facing obstacles and how you face them. So, you know, in, in essence, the uh, how-to is important, but these, the why and and um, the mindset is more important, I feel. It's probably 80% of uh, what, what uh, your success will be. Uh, as long as you concentrate on the mindset, everything else, the, the how seems to get much easier. So, you know, by I have a constant habit of whenever I'm traveling. You know, ironically, when I was traveling on my first job, um, I felt extremely uh, dissatisfied. But I do a lot of traveling uh, for my clients and uh, just uh, checking out properties. And I've turned my vehicle into a, a, a library. Uh, basically, I've I've I always have audio play, uh, cassettes playing or sorry, audio CDs playing in my car or MP3s, which will you know, constantly train my mind into uh, getting better. So it's it's a constant process of getting better every single day uh, by fulfilling fulfilling your mind with positive messages and um, positive mindset. Essentially, I've read so many great books in the process that even if I was to take all my real estate away at this point in my life, I know that I can rebuild it. Because I have that mindset and I have that knowledge from and wisdom. So 
do you have any authors that are kind of your go-to guys or girls that, you know, people that you really just follow their philosophy and you've gotten good Cole's notes from? Is there anybody that you would share with our listeners as to, gosh, you know, you really got to follow and pay attention to this writer? There's, you know, one of my favorite all-time classics is The Richest Man in Babylon mm. uh, by uh, George Classen. And, you know, I read that book a uh, long time ago, but it essentially teaches everybody, uh, no matter at what stage you are in your life, uh, whether you have a little bit of money or you have no money, but it, it, it teaches you the fundamentals of how to save money and how to invest that money, how to make that money grow. It's a phenomenal book, um, you know, written a long time ago, but it's still very, very applicable today. Uh, some of the other books, of course, of my uh, a great influencer was uh, Robert Kiyosaki and all his uh, Rich Dad Advisor series books. That, you know, Cash Book is my second favorite book. You know, that mind shift from uh, being in the right side of the quadrant, he teaches you how to think like a business owner and entrepreneur and investor rather than being taught like an employee. Sure. So that mindset uh, also had a big influence on me and, and that, that specific book. So um, yeah, anything by Robert Kiyosaki, I would highly recommend. Great. So how do you define your success? You know, when you look back at, you know, at first it was all about financial freedom. It was all about money, but is it still that for you or what, how do you define your success now that you're at this point in your life and you've come this far on this particular part of your journey? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's funny how there's a evolution in here in what your definition of success is at first. Absolutely. It was all about money and financial freedom and uh, making as much as you want uh, as, as, as you can getting to that uh, certain net worth and income goal. But at this point, to me, the definition of success is a natural progression of your your thoughts, you know, changing your mindset. If you are getting better every single day, that to me is success. If you are improving in, in your business or in your uh, 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 physical health, uh, in your relationships, that to me is success. Coincidentally, I named a company, uh, it's called Kaizen NGU. And that what that means is Kaizen is never-ending improvement. And this was way back uh, approximately eight years ago when I formed this company. And I, I truly uh, wanted to stand for, for that uh, principle was that Kaizen uh, is a Japanese term for constant and never-ending improvement. So as long as you're constantly improving, that's for me is, is a success. And the NGU stands for never giving up. So um, I knew that if I combined the two together and I just never gave up on my dreams at some day and I, I was committed to it, I would, it would someday come true. You know, it's interesting that success, how we define it is, in fact, I've, you know, in my own life, it, you know, at 59 years old now, it has changed how we define it. And some years ago, when I came up with what I call the simple philosophy, which is, and I said, you know, success is simple, significantly impact many people's lives every day. And that was the acronym for that. And what I've discovered over the years is that aside from the financial part of it, having an influence and being a contribution, and I know that's how you feel about yourself as a realtor, is that you're being a contribution to the success of others. And 
when you can do that, you yourself feel like you've achieved something that you are in fact successful. Now, recently, um, I became a grandfather and I'm watching my daughter raise her daughter, my granddaughter. And I look and I assess that and I go, wow, she's doing a great job. She's a great mom. And I really take a lot of pride and feel very successful in the contribution that I've been to how my daughter is being a mom and, and the values that she's raising her daughter with. So that's, it's a different, you know, success is such a, a big term. It's such a, you know, it's a, it's just big, you know, and how you define it on how you describe it is always interesting. And I do find that it changes. That's my own experience around it. But for me at this point in my life, I just see where it's always being a contribution to helping others achieve their dreams. Back to what you talked about Zig Ziglar. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've you've recently become a dad. Yes, um, uh, it's a, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, my wife and I, uh, it's a very special child for us because uh, we've been trying for three years and uh, finally our we didn't give up and it finally came true. So he just um, just turned uh, fourteen months um, and it's been an absolute blessing to to have him in our life. That's awesome. Um, exciting times, uh, you know, this part of your life, it's a, it's a great place to be. And your wife is a big support of your business. Now she's also a mom and, and your dad. And with the goals that you set for yourself in terms of your business and the financial freedom that you've achieved to the degree that you've achieved it up till now, is that giving you the time that you foresaw or were looking for in your vision to spend with your new child? Yeah, you know what? That's what I look forward to the most is having that freedom to control your schedule so that you can spend as much time as you want. Uh, so every morning, you know, I uh, I wake up and I spend uh, I make sure I spend some quality time with uh, with my son Daniel, and uh, you know, even in the evenings, I we take him uh, for a walk and uh, make sure that. Every, you know, we see that uh, early on, they, every month they're changing. So we don't want to miss any perfect moment with them. So, you know, we try to treasure our, our time uh, that we spend with uh, with our son as much as we can. And um, I feel really grateful that I'm able to do that, uh, especially at a fairly young age. So what was your, uh, you know, let's go off on some other uh, conversation here. What was your biggest failure that maybe turned out to be a blessing in disguise? You know, I, I know that you talked about the renovation that you did that cost you seven grand when all was said and done. And so in terms of a blessing in disguise, it was a big lesson. But was there was there any particular things that stand out for you that you went, holy cow, am I ever glad it happened that way? You know, there's there's been quite a few setbacks uh, along the way, uh, no doubt. Basically, essentially... Everything that happens, I feel that it happens for a reason. You know, we faced extreme hardships, uh, especially investing in Windsor. Like, we used to go through uh, at least a handful of evictions every year. Uh, I've been faced with uh, all kinds of major plumbing problems, some theft, tenant vandalism, and even a fairly big fire. So I don't know if there's a specific uh, one moment, but it's been a combination of all of them. I feel like all of those were blessings because 
ultimately it made me more resilient. And when I am faced with challenges today, I feel like it's it's nothing in comparison to what I've been through. So uh, for me, you know, all these setbacks is essentially a learning opportunity for you to get better, uh, improve your systems, make sure it doesn't happen again, and make sure you're ready for it because, you know, in, in, in real estate, uh, anything can happen at any time. You just have to be ready for it. What for you, you know, as a successful realtor, I'm going to say as a successful entrepreneur and business owner, when you look at the guidance that you've received, you know, based on the books you've read and stuff, have you, what kind of things have you, or do you use uh, tools or methodology, for example, for your own development as a, an entrepreneur? Like you talk about the mindset that you have and, and the books that you read or the audio that you listen to, those are all tools. Do you also have a morning routine that you go through? Do you do some journaling? Do you meditate? Aside from taking Daniel and hanging out with him and spending some quality time as a dad, is there some stuff that you do for yourself that you would share with listeners that has become part of your routine? Whether morning, afternoon, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there in terms of a conversation around what kind of work do you do on yourself really intentionally around your own development? I know that every single successful person has a morning ritual, and uh, I do have one as well. So I try to get at least eight hours of sleep um, every night. Uh, and then once I wake up, I have a, a glass of water just to uh, cleanse and refresh my body, uh, preferably with some uh, lemon. Um, I do five minutes of uh, journaling. So I've uh, bought a uh, what's called a five-minute journal. And uh, it has a lot of uh, uh, gratitude in there. So what are you grateful for every single day? And uh, what do you want to accomplish that specific day? And, and what are, at the end of the night, uh, you know, how was your, your day look like? Um, after that, um, I recently actually started practicing uh, TM or Transcendental Meditation. So I, I, uh, I do 20 minutes of meditation, uh, followed by... Uh, five minutes of uh, kind of uh, time management or what's what's my day going to be looking like? Uh, what are some of the key things that I need to accomplish or go through my to-do list? And then um, I have my uh, a green smoothie every morning uh, before I have my uh, breakfast. So and then in the meantime, I would maybe do some uh, uh, light reading or listening to some audio books uh, or videos online. So something for personal improvement before I start getting into my, you know, what I call prime time work or, you know, my core work that I need to do that specific day. So that's kind of my morning ritual, what it looks like. I mean, I sometimes have, uh, you know, about 20 minutes of working out as well, fitting in there maybe twice a week or three times a week. Um, I wish I could... Uh, schedule some time to actually go to the gym. Um, I'm still working on that. I used to go to CrossFit, but uh, I want to I wanna get back into CrossFit. Uh, but at, at this point, I just do some light working out at home uh, every morning. Well, that's great. You know, I, I actually studied uh, TM, gosh, I, 
for 25 years probably now. I've studied transcendental meditation, and meditation is a big part of my life, always has been. And that's not to say I'm consistent with it. I think it's an important part is that we get in and out of routines, and they change and they shift. My routine in the morning has always been so absolutely essential to you know, how I see my day and, and what really gets me going. I'm an early riser. And one of the reasons I am an early riser, and and I say early riser, it's not uncommon for me to sit up in bed at 4.30 in the morning and, and do my meditation and or, but often I'm out of bed between 4.30 and 5.30 in the morning. I like to start my day. And it's really because I want that time alone. And it's my time for reflection. It's my time for journaling. It's my time to work out. Uh, I like to work out. It's uh, the physicalness of is really beneficial for me. It's a way for me to, I guess, uh, burn off some energy perhaps, or just get my head clear. So routines are incredibly important. And I don't, and to your, what you said earlier is I don't know anybody that I really could say that I admire for their success or who they are that doesn't have a really powerful routine. So thanks for sharing yours with us. I think it's incredibly important. As we talk about certain things, you know, and you look at where I want to go with this is about lessons that we can share with listeners. And both of us are in the RAIN community. We talk to real estate investors every day, all the time. And it's interesting to see or talk to somebody like yourself who's achieved a lot. And, and we certainly see where RAIN members, it is sometimes mind-blowing what they've accomplished. Yet there's times when you're talking to people who are incredibly stuck. As a realtor and as a REIA, real estate investment advisor slash coach that you are, do you see, where do you see people mostly getting stuck? Do you see a common cause for getting stuck and not taking action? Uh, I use the phrase getting stuck. It's because you're, you've got the best of intentions, but you just don't ever seem to be able to move forward. So you're stuck. Is there, from your perspective, uh, any commonality that you see of why people get stuck, Jose? Yeah, I, I believe that... Um... It's one of the big reasons is people give them uh, give excuses. Uh, they have all kinds of excuses for not taking action. Uh, you know, my uh, right now is not a good time, or I don't have the money. Um, I uh, I just had a kid. Life is too busy. I mean, there's 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 millions of excuses, but at the end of the day, everybody can come up with excuses if you really want to achieve success or you want to improve your life, nothing's going to happen if you don't take any action. And, and uh, you know, you can learn as much as you want, but without taking action, nothing's going to happen. So I, you know, I see this all the time is uh, people get hung over by a specific deal or they say, oh, the numbers don't work on this one. Uh, but there is no perfect deal out there, you know, um, they get stuck because of giving themselves excuses. The, they, sh- they, can, they can take action and learn from buying that first property, although it's not perfect, but you can still gain a lot of knowledge from, from uh, even buying one single property. You'll know that you'll be a, a business owner once you have uh, your income coming in and you have your expenses. So learning by doing is my philosophy. You've uh, you've been a Rain member for quite some time. You're in the Rain community. There's a lot of a number of the listeners that are hearing this will be from Rain. How important it has has, and I know that you're involved in you know you know your brokerage and other organizations. How how important it is is it? Do you think for people to surround themselves with 
like-minded people and the right people because you really, I mean, you engage in the community of rain and you talk to people all the time. And how important has that been for you to have the success that you're having in terms of not only your investing, but as a realtor? You know, when I when I was sharing my story about investing in Windsor, the the main reason that I got out of Windsor was uh, when I when I joined Rain, I knew that um, I needed to invest in a city which had strong economic fundamentals. Um, I you know by learning from uh, Don as well as yourself, I, I you know I was in other Rain members uh, as well. I knew that. Investing in a good area, for example, was one of the components. Uh, you know, it, it made me a more sophisticated investor buying by joining Rain. It was, I would say, one of the pivotal moments as well because uh, one of the other things that happened was I started to create a bigger vision for myself. When, once I saw other Rain members doing so much better than me, and I was surrounded by the right people, you know, it motivated me every single month when I came to Rain meetings to see other people doing it. And that actually motivated me to take, keep taking more and more action. Because I, you know what, I, at some point I may have been okay with uh, owning five properties, but being surrounded by uh, super successful other RAIN members is why I have continued to grow myself and continue to um, buy properties and, and keep on investing. And it's for the reason when I read the book um, Think and Grow Rich, there's a there's a chapter dedicated to being part of the mastermind group. And Rain has been a, a, instrumental in, in uh, my success as uh, my mastermind group. So if you're giving advice to others in terms of, you know, leveraging the community or a community like Rain. Were you always comfortable in terms of networking or meeting people? You know, are you a bit of an introvert? Are you a bit of an extrovert? Where are you in that world? So I find that some people are just have a difficult time meeting others, you know, introducing themselves, sharing their goals or sharing their story. Any, any guidance that you would give people along that way? You know what? Uh, it's funny that uh, my personality probably changed. Uh, I, I was... Uh, a you know fairly shy person uh, ten years ago, but my confidence started building once I uh, started joining Green as well as uh, networking with other uh, successful people, listening to other speakers and how they talk. Um, so that built my confidence and, and if you know my personality profile, if you do the disc profile, I'm I'm a DI. So. <clears throat> It's and I would have never thought that I, I would have had a strong D in me ten years ago. But uh, you know, it's it's about uh, getting that confidence uh, once you uh, are surrounded by the, the right people, and, and uh, especially Rain has has been a, a, a super fantastic group. That, uh, you know, I call them my friends now. Um, we. We have social events uh, after every uh, a lot of rain events, so it, it's a it's a community that has uh, truly been there for me uh, from from the very beginning, and I, uh, you know, it's it's uh, had phenomenal results to in my life to prove it. So I guess that goes back to what you talked about mindset is that 
you have to be willing to stretch yourself and get a little uncomfortable. I'm sure it was uh, relatively uncomfortable at times for you to introduce yourself or to strike up conversations or be part of a conversation. So that's part of that mindset training and that personal development that you took on and embraced and really owned it to leverage it and, and learn from it to grow your business and your portfolio. Um, I'm guessing that as a realtor and somebody who's working with investors, that there's a part of you that is going to provide that guidance that stretches people and pushes them. Is is that a case for you, Jose? For sure. You know what? Uh, every single client that I work with, um, I feel like I'm automatically a coach um, and not just a and not a realtor for for them because realtor to me is a very transactional you know especially in the sense of uh, somebody buying a personal home uh, so for me every single person that i work with i i'm coaching them and actually giving them leading them by example and you know sometimes i even show them my own specific properties walk them through what i'm doing uh, so it's it's a hands-on learning experience that they get from from me uh, because I am speaking from experience uh, I know the, the the areas I know what type of properties to buy um, if you are into renovations I know what type of renovations will have the most uh, biggest impact on your bottom line so it's it's something that I I, I feel like I have a unique to offer than um, and some other people is that's kind of my strength is that every single thing that I talk about, I'm speaking from experience. Um, so that has tremendous value on my clients and, and their successes. And um, I'm, uh, I'm happy to provide that coaching service, uh, quote unquote, in a way that um, that can help me help them throughout the whole process. So it's definitely not a transactional thing. Once they buy the property is done. I know I help them through, uh, the leasing process and uh, screening process, and you know, I'm I'm there for them whenever they need me uh, beyond just a transaction. So I think that's such an important point that I don't I want to and I don't want to step over that for any of the Rain members that are listening or any future real estate investors or individuals that are are actually considering getting into the world of real estate investing. I think what has to show up for people the lesson to take away in this conversation is that realtors that work with investors because investors are driven to buy a number of properties it becomes relational and using that realtor to build your portfolio to support you in building your portfolio is incredibly important because as they get to know what your goals are and where you are in the process or what business model you're trying to create they can support that the other thing that is so important in building a team, you know, with a realtor being such an integral part of it is that you yourself are, as an, are an investor. So you have a relatedness to that individual that is far different than somebody who's in transactional in a home. Now, and that's not being critical of realtors that are selling and buying homes for people. I, I mean, that's a, that's a role they play and it's incredibly important. But as real estate investors, you know, it's not one property, it's 10 or it's five or it's a hundred. And having a, somebody on your team that number one relates to what it is you're trying to achieve, but also can, is willing to create relationship with you to understand that you're going to go through your highs and your lows and, and support you in that. And it sounds like you and 
you know, probably the people that you've surrounded yourself with, you know, think from that kind of point of view. Would that be the case, Jose? Absolutely. You know what? Uh, one of the things that I pride myself uh, of is being a investor-focused realtor, and uh, for me, that's extremely um, beneficial for my clients as well, because you know everything that I do, I, I'm 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 speaking from experience and in uh, in helping them with the whole process. And one of the things that I've noticed as well is every single person is different. You know, um, every single person's lifestyle is different. So one strategy for all, it does not work. It's not just simply finding a property and uh, and, and uh, offering it to them. It's, you know, when somebody starts off, I, I generally recommend somebody buying something very simple, uh, something that doesn't require a lot of renovations. It's, it's, it's a strategy um, that, you know, if it's same strategy, if it's somebody that's uh, really busy and they still want to own some real estate, but this is a, a more simpler strategy that they cannot, um, they can still manage something that is fairly turnkey and, and still uh, be successful at it. Because the fir- first thing that I, when I work with beginner investors is that how do you build your confidence up so that you can buy your second and third property later on? It sounds to me like every client that you have, and I, and I think this is important for listeners, you know, investors to consider is that, are you confident and comfortable with your realtor having your best interest in mind so that there isn't some cookie cutter approach to investing? Because it sounds to me like you're really taking the time to listen to your clients and and help them based on where they're at in their life and what they've got going on. I totally get that. I support that. I believe in that. I think it's important for investors getting started, particularly for investors getting started, to make sure that they're actually working with a realtor that has their best interest in mind based on where they're at, not uh, some cookie-cutter approach. Is there any guidance that you would give somebody along that line? Yes. You know what? So, for example, you know, I sometimes work with uh, busy executives uh, who want to buy several properties and they want to buy them fast. Uh, But, you know, I take a step back and I first want to get to know them, what type of lifestyle they have, what type of time commitment they are able to give to your real estate business. So whether it be five hours a week or five hours a month. You know, every every single person has uh, different time uh, time levels. They have different income goals. They have different um, uh, expertise. So somebody who's uh, wants to do some renovation is much different than somebody who just wants to buy uh, a condo. So you know, there there is no one property fits all model. It's everything is individualized. So that's when, when I'm working with a client, I want to get to know their ins and outs as far as their lifestyle and how much time they have, how much capital they have, and how fast they want to grow. Uh, do they have previous experience or not? Uh, is, you know, do some of their family members have experience or not? You know, so for me, it's, it's, it's about connecting with them so that uh, they are able to get that confidence, um, like I said before, so that they can actually build wealth in the long term. You know, I'm not looking at it that you know what uh, I'm going to sell them something 
which really I I wouldn't buy myself, but uh, just to make that uh, money, right? So for me, it's all about uh, finding the perfect model that fits them and finding that perfect area, building and, and having them uh, supported by the right uh, a right team in place. So, you know, make sure that they have a growth plan, not just a one property and, and they're done with it. Because you and I both know that owning one real estate investment property is better than nothing, but owning more than one is going to be much more impactful in the long term. That's great. Well, listen, Jose, as we start to wind down, you know, I think there's so many great lessons that you've shared along the way and insights that I think people will take away from this particular conversation that we've been having. Ultimately, you know, you've come on your journey at, you know, now 35 years old, you've achieved some really uh, impactful goals for you and, and what's happening in your life. You really see that being a contribution to others' success is an incredibly important part of uh, what drives you and and gets you up in the morning. Uh, great to hear that you're a relatively new dad. You know, at 14 months old, Daniel is uh, is kind of still the brand new model. So that's an exciting time. You know, the fact that your wife is an integral part of you, what you do and, and your success. Those are all things that speak to what I see time and time again. And people hear things differently, you know, and they're going to pick up on certain stories that you've shared and insights that you've shared differently than with other people that I interview along the way. And for me, what is always so interesting is that, you know, there's nothing, you know, you're a seemingly ordinary guy that has just achieved some really, really outstanding results. And I'm proud to know you. I'm happy to, that Rain has been part of your journey and I'm happy to have been part of that journey as well. So, as we wind down, have a little bit of fun, and uh, not that this hasn't been fun, but uh, we're going to lighten it up even more. So I like to do some rapid fire questions, kinds of brings out the best in people, I find. And so um, I'm going to give you like seconds to answer these questions. So don't think about them. Be reactive. You got it? Those are the sure. rules of the game. Okay. What's your favorite swear word? F. F what? Is fuck so your tough. favorite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. We got to be, you know, we got to get on this. Um, so if there was a profession other than being a realtor and engineer that you'd want to embrace, what would it be? Developer. Land developer. Yes. That's playing a big game. Cool. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. Nice. On a scale of one to 10, how weird is Jose? Eight and a half. Eight and a half out of weird. Now that's your scale. What would your wife say? Would she like say twelve? Um, I would say probably uh, ten. <laughs> what are you just not very good at? Paperwork. Paperwork. Yeah. Your room, your desk, or your car. What do you clean first? My desk. Your desk. Are you yes. uh, are you OCD about a clean desk, or are you just it's just got to be straight for you? You know, I'm I'm absolutely not OCD, but uh, I I have to have my desk, uh, my my papers put away properly in a specific order, uh, because whenever I need them, I need to have them. So whoever touches my desk uh, is not a good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Okay, what's your favorite tune? Do you have one? I would say, um, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, "Beat It." Nice. Got a, that's a catchy tune. Your favorite movie? My favorite movie 
has to be 300. <laughs> one of one. Yeah, yeah. Got that one. What are you grateful for? I'm very grateful for my, my wife and uh, my family. That's awesome. I'm always grateful to have guests like you come on the show. Today, I'm very grateful for great weather. I'm very grateful for my great health. And I'm grateful for the lessons that you've shared with people today. I really see some great value in what you bring to the table in terms of your lessons and uh, what you bring to the RAIN community. And I want to say thank you for all that you do, Jose. And I appreciate the conversation today very much. No, thank you so much, uh, Patrick, uh, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it was, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm honored that, uh, to speak with you today. Great. More to come, I'm sure, my friend. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.